0: Okay, in the uh, in chapter eleven, Zophar uh, he basically I don't know I guess he he laid the hammer down on Job. He um, he told him that you know Job you you deserve much worse than God has given you. I mean even through all the all the suffering that Job has gone through, imagine what it would be like to. You know, and of course we know that it's it is true that God doesn't owe us any pleasure, any blessing. But imagine coming alongside a guy who had just lost his family or is going through trials and saying, "Well, it could be worse." You know, I mean, that's probably probably not the best way to counsel somebody who's. Uh, of suffering through these trials and it's definitely not what you want to hear when you're suffering. But uh, so so far he, he, he didn't come alongside Job and suffer with him. He didn't bear Job's burden or try to comfort Job in any way. Um all he could tell Job was that, you know, if you if you repent of whatever whatever you did to cause all this Uh, Then God will bless you, and then He'll give you all the, you know, all the stuff that you lost uh, back. He'll He'll restore all of this stuff, and and in Zophar's view of the world, God is uh, it's like He's up in heaven, and and mankind is really in control. If man does good in this life, then God is obliged to give good. You know, God has to. Uh, and if man does bad, then God has to, you know, give him suffering. So Zophar can really only stand there and tell Job, uh, you know, his whole situation is his own fault. It's in his own hands. Uh, he must have done something that caused all this. And um, it's completely within his power uh, to stop it. All he has to do is. Uh, repent of, of, of whatever the sin is that caused this. Turn back, turn away from whatever it was that he did that forced God's hand into allowing suffering in his life. We know that's not true, but that's what Zophar's counsel is. So, in chapter 12, Zophar, uh, not Zophar, but Job is going to respond directly uh, to Zophar and his friends with. Um, with what I consider to be just the right amount of sarcasm, uh, I'm a pretty sarcastic fellow myself, so I can appreciate a good bit of ridicule. You know, when I see it, uh, he he's going to show that you know all his friend's advice so far has been faulty, and it's it's just typical of what men think of God. Mankind is is uh, you know he always thinks that he has the market market cornered. Uh, on what God wants and men will always be trying to find new ways to think about God to fit him into their little box and uh, of course we know that God himself has told us exactly what he wants he wants us to know about himself he's given us the 66 books of scripture to reveal himself to us and to reveal his will. And the scripture never changes and it doesn't mold itself to what we think or what we desire. So man intrinsically has a problem. God has given us an unchangeable standard uh, in his word, but we still want to find new and improved ways of imagining God so that so that our worldview becomes comfortable. Our way of thinking about things uh, is more to our liking. You know, it's a, it's a safer world when we're in control. Uh, We've said this before, but the root cause behind all Job's friends' advice and thinking is that they want to be in control of their own life. They want to be safe, knowing that they can avoid... Uh, going through suffering, if they would just jump through the right hoops, if they would just do the right things, if they would just exercise their their wills in the right way, that they could avoid all this that Job is going through. And Job, is uh, he needs to learn that he's in control, and if he would just do the right things, all this would leave him. Uh, but if suffering could come just because God says so, without any visible or perceivable cause uh then you know their world and their worldview would quickly become an uncontrollable place and you know we sure can't have that so uh it would make them too uncomfortable but if if there's one thing that we can be sure of it's that job is a wise man job is a deep thinker he uh he knows uh that for god to truly be god he must be sovereign over all creation. He must be in control. Just having a being up in the sky who has power, uh, but's constrained by the actions of the creatures that he's made, you know. That's that's not really much of a god, you know. That's that's kind of a uh, a powerful uh, omnipotent being up there whose uh, strings are being pulled by people down here, and Job knows that. That's not so. Job knows that God does whatever he desires in all creation. So before we dive into chapter 12, we need to see that Job, he has this foundation under him. You know, Even before all this suffering hit Job, he knew that God was in control and that nothing happens in this life that God doesn't allow. And to be honest with you, this is a hard truth uh, for us to swallow especially when we're the ones that are going through some of the most awful su- awful suffering that uh, that you can imagine. Uh, I mean th- put yourself in Job's spot here to think that God allowed your family to die or, or something like that it, it's just excruciating it goes against everything that we think, but we we have to have this theological foundation under us before suffering comes. Uh, think about it for a moment. Uh, Job. We know that Satan came to God, and we know that. You know, they had a conversation about Job, and Satan accused Job of just loving God for His blessings, and and God said, "Well, you go and you try him." You know, and and God limited Satan, saying, "You can't take his life, and and all those things." But remember the trials that came upon Job when when the things actually took place when they actually happened. What was it? It was men from a, another country that came a, and destroyed you know Job's livestock and his servants. It was was a, a a great wind that blew the house down, that that killed his children. It was a fire that fell from heaven that ate up his flock and, and his crops and all those things. So we can't just say that, that God was sitting up there going, oops, wow, that was tough. Look at that. You know, Satan doesn't have the power to allow fire to fall from heaven if God doesn't allow it. He doesn't have the power to stir up a mighty wind to knock the house down. So... You have a problem if you're if you're saying God is up there in the corner just watching all this go by and going Wow that was tough I hope Job you know really holds on to his face faith You have a real problem with what's going on because the things that happen to Job are not things that any man could control and they're not things that Satan himself has control over It's God that has control over these things But you know many times in Christian counseling. The idea is to get God as far away from the suffering as possible. Uh, for, for most counselors, for, I shouldn't say for most, but for many, the task is usually to tell them that, that God's here now and he wants to comfort you in in your suffering. Uh, but he didn't really know or foresee that this would happen. And if he did foresee it, man, he was hoping that it wouldn't happen. And, you know, if he knew it was coming, but, but, you know, he was just unable to stop it. Um, The premise is that they're saying God isn't doing this to you, Job, but He's here now and He's ready to help you. Now, they won't usually come out and say it like that, but that's the implication. Um, But that really doesn't make sense to Job because if God wasn't around when the suffering happened, you know, how can He be here now? You know, why didn't He show up sooner? I can think of that if uh, when suffering comes and. And uh, they said, well, God's, you know, he's all powerful and he's with you. And, the, you know, the first question that pops into your mind is, well, where was he yesterday before all this happened? Um, the implication is that either God didn't know all this was going to happen or he isn't powerful enough to stop it or to have stopped it. And uh, and neither of these things is possible to a person with a biblical worldview. And Job knows this. So he he's going to reject Zophar's counsel. Uh, verses 1 through 3. In chapter 12 it says, Then Job answered and said, No doubt you are the people, and wisdom will die with you. Uh, But I have understanding as well as you. I am not inferior to you. Who does not know such things as this? Job starts out his rebuttal to Zophar by what sounds to me uh, like mockery. I mean, he says, oh, I know you guys are the men. You are the people. He says, you are the great men of wisdom, and wisdom will die with you. You're the only ones who knows. He, he knows good and well that these guys are giving him the standard man-made religious worldview. Uh, that can't help anything. It it doesn't really even make sense what they're telling him. If you think about it to its logical conclusion and you follow it out to where it goes... Uh, he knows that God is in control. I mean, that's a no-brainer. He knows that nothing goes on in this world that's outside of God's authority. Um, so th- they gave him the same old lines. They said, God is up there, and he really wants to bless you, but, but you're just not doing what needs to be done in order to get this blessing. Uh, and, and, you know, you can still hear that theology everywhere today. God wants to do right by you. Uh, But you have to jump through the right hoops in order to release his blessing. You know, it's classic word of faith theology. Job tells his very wise friends that, you know, he isn't some old dumb hick. Uh, he knows a thing or two just like they do he he says I- i'm not inferior to you and in fact everyone knows that god punishes the wicked and blesses the righteous that you know that's really not up for di- dispute it's not up for debate the problem is as you know the new testament tells us is that there are no righteous people you see that's the problem job wasn't uh sinless just like you and i aren't sinless but He was devoted to God in faith and have obeyed God's voice and, uh, you know, produced repentant sacrifices in order to have his sins covered and forgiven. So we know that God is, he blesses the righteous and he punishes the wicked. But the problem that we run into is that there, the Bible says that there is no one who is righteous. Uh, So, so Job understands full well what they're saying. They're saying, you know, it, if uh, if you would just do the right things, God is in control of all this stuff, and God will bless you, and, and it's God who is doing this to you, and so if... If God is doing this to you, then you must have done something to cause it. So therefore, if you did something to cause it, you can fix it. Uh, This stuff doesn't just happen by itself. God has done this. And Job understands full well that God has done this. He understands what they're saying. But he concludes that that, they're just wrong. Their advice is faulty at its most basic level. They're, They're just You know, they're just incorrect. The the good people, which is, you know, those who are faithful to God, they don't always get good things in this life. And those who are wicked... You know, by any stretch of the imagination, don't always suffer in this life. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about in this life. Um, And that's a fact. Job is a, you know, he's a perfect example of a righteous man, not a sinless man, but a righteous man uh, by his sacrifices and offerings uh, who has not received blessing the way that his friends say a righteous man should. It says in verse four, it says, I am a laughing stock to my friends. I who called to God and he answered me. He's saying, I, I me, God and I had a relationship. I was a just and blameless man. He said, now I'm a laughing stock. Verse five says in the thought of one who is at ease, there is contempt for misfortune. Now think about that. What he's saying. He's saying the one who is not suffering shows contempt for the one who is suffering. You know, he he's uh, he's he's looking down on him saying well you must have done something i'm i'm definitely better than you because i'm not going through this verse 5 says in the thought of one who is at ease there is contempt for misfortune it is ready for those who whose feet slip that's what they're saying your feet have slipped somewhere and therefore misfortune has come upon you verse 6 says the tents of robbers are at peace and those who provoke god are secure Who bring their god, their false god, in their hand? Talking about their idol. So he's saying, "You guys are 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 incredibly naive to think that the God is punishing all the tents of the robbers, and God is uh, punishing all those who provoke God." Because I look around and I see that the tents of robbers are at peace. I look around and I see that those who provoke God and those who worship idols, they're secure. Job is a man who God himself has declared righteous. Uh he's now a laughing stock. Uh to all, all these all his friends, all the people of the of the uh, uh, you know the the Near East, he hasn't received what the friends say a good man would would receive. In fact, by their own words, he has received exactly the opposite of what they said uh, uh a faithful and righteous man should receive. And in the same way, all you have to do is look around at the world, uh, in any time, in Job's time or ours, and you can see that that it looks like wicked people are prospering everywhere. Um, in verse five, Job told them that that uh, the ones who who aren't going through the suffering, uh, those are the ones that are that have ease. They they have contempt for for misfortune, and it, and we saw that it meant that. That you know, they always assume that those who are going through suffering deserve to be going through suffering. We we still think that way. We still think that way today. We feel better thinking that suffering only comes to those who have done something really bad. It it makes us feel better because we um, we somehow think that we aren't in the same category as those people. For example, it gives people a sigh of relief. When they find out that a person who is dying of lung cancer uh, has smoked cigarettes all of his life um, you, of course you wouldn't verbalize it like that um, but down in, in your in your soul down the pit of your stomach it makes you feel better if you don't smoke uh, somehow you feel like you're exempt from that kind of suffering uh, I know you know I know I've felt that way before you know we, you think well you know you smoked all your life you're probably getting what you deserve. Um, but how you know the how all that works is that the opposite also rings true i mean i have been in a position where i had to counsel a woman with you know lung cancer who who had never smoked a day in her life and her biggest problem was How could this have happened to me? I don't deserve this. I never did anything to cause this. I never smoked a cigarette in my life, and here I am with lung cancer. That's just the way that we think. That's the way Job's friends think. And if we're honest, that's the way we think most of the time. But it's just simply not true. Suffering, all kinds of suffering, can come on anyone at any time. And in the same way, we can see that those who provoke God, you know, that you look around and they look like they're secure. And here I am suffering and I'm doing all I can. The one who breaks God's commands the most, uh, if you look around, they seem like they're the ones who are prospering the most in, in this world. Um, You know, we know that punishment is coming in the next and we know that that true justice and true blessing and all that will be will be fulfilled. Uh, Job says that those who provoke God are secure and the tents of robbers are at peace. I mean, just look around the world. and You know that I mean, Job's right. He's absolutely right. We know that there will be a day when every wrong will be made right. um, But that day hadn't come yet. Uh, Job's friends have posited they've given him a works-based system where God gives good to the good and punishes the bad in this life. And Job is demonstrating that the fundamental premise of this logic is just refuted by reality. It's refuted by the examples in real life. Uh, If you look around, it seems that evil is prospering and it's the righteous who are suffering. And it was that way in the first century church. I mean, if you looked at how uh, the church responded after Christ, the apostle after the apostles, you know, Rome was in charge of everything, and the Christians were being fed to lions. They were martyred for their faith. They were dying. They were being burned. They were had their heads chopped off. They were uh, killed in the arenas. And and you know, when you when you look at that, you just see, you know, how could God allow His children to go through all that? While all these rich Roman pagans are just enjoying the fruits of life, uh, it's just reality. So, Job has told them decisively that their whole worldview is wrong. And what he's going to do next is he's going to show them that, you know, everything in creation understands that God is in control. Nothing in creation should doubt this fact. And in fact, Nothing really does doubt it, except for except for man. Uh, his friends have basically told him that this could not have happened to him if God had not allowed it. And that's correct. But where they're incorrect is, they say the only reason God will allow this to come on a man is if he is intrinsically wicked and in doing something evil. Uh, and Job is refuting that. He's telling them, look, I know God's in control. I know that he is sovereign, and I know. Uh, And later he's going to refute their conclusion. But here he says, But ask the beasts, and they will teach you. The birds of the heavens, and they will tell you. Or the bushes of the earth, and they will teach you. And the fish of the sea will declare to you. He said, Who among these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. All life is in God's hands. That's what he's saying. He's saying he's in control of everything. Everything that happens is because God has allowed it to happen. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He knew suffering would come to you before it came. And he is powerful enough to have stopped it. So if he did not stop it, then he has done so by His choice. And He's done so for a purpose, a good purpose. If suffering comes into your life, God allowed it for a purpose. Now, that doesn't mean to say that God had a gun to somebody's back saying, I want you to go kill this person and all that. We, uh, we are our own sinful, you know, we have, we have our own sinful minds, we have our own sinful choices, um, and we rarely ever know what the purpose is that God has in the suffering that we go through. But we know for sure that God said that all things work together for good to those who love Him. Uh, For Job, this is the heart of all wisdom. Uh, Scripture tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You can't begin to be a wise man like you know, Job is sarcastically accusing his friends of in the beginning of this chapter. Until you understand that God is in control and all creation bends to His will, wisdom doesn't just come with age. Job is showing us wisdom here, knowing that God uh, has indeed allowed this, and that's wisdom in the midst of his suffering. He, um, it, it comes from knowing and experiencing God. Um, Job seems like he returns. Uh, to a little sarcastic mode here. Um, in verse 11, when he says, Does not the ear test words as the palate tastes food? Uh, wisdom is with the age and understanding in length of days. He is saying that, uh, that his ears are testing their words for wisdom, the same way that you know the palate or the tongue tastes food. His ears have found their words uh, to be tasteless. And then, you know, it seems like he, he he made a final sarcastic remark saying that Oh, but we know that wisdom is with the aged, and you old dudes really know what you're talking about. You know, and so the rest of this chapter is Job explaining to his friend Zophar and the other two that that God is the one who is in control. God is the one who truly has wisdom uh, of all man's Actions and thoughts and intentions of the heart, and God is, you know, His wisdom is the only true wisdom. Man's wisdom is always faulty. Uh, verse verse thirteen says, "With God are wisdom and might. He has counsel and understanding. God's purpose can cannot be thwarted by man. If he tears down, no one can rebuild. If he shuts a man in, no one can open." Their advice was. It was based on the fact that man can control what God does and what God doesn't do by what man does. But Job here says that, that God decides to tear down, and it doesn't matter what you think. It, whatever it is, it's getting tore down. Um, and in the same way, he decides to shut man in with suffering. Uh, and, and if he decides to do so, then nothing man can do can reopen the way if, that God has shut him in. God is the one who is in control. Not man. God's will is done in the heavens and the earth, uh, whether you like it or not. God controls uh, the forces of nature as well. Verse sixteen says, "If he withholds the waters, they dry up. If he sends them out, they overwhelm the land." And most of us don't have a problem seeing God is controlling, you know, the weather and the forces of nature. But when it comes to us, we don't want God controlling us. Um, now, we need to be careful as we come to this part of uh of our understanding. I don't mean and neither, neither does the scripture teach that that uh, men are just robots doing what we've been programmed to do. Um, that's a view I don't I don't think anyone holds, uh, but God is in control. Even though our choices are real choices. When Joseph's brothers beat him and threw him into the pit and sold him into slavery in Genesis, uh, that was a sinful act. There's no doubt about it. God did not condone that act. And God did not hold, you know, God did not force them to do the act. They did it of their own will. They chose to do it out of the sinfulness of their own hearts, out of the jealousy of their own hearts. But still, after it was all said and done, Joseph said to his brothers, in Genesis 45-3, he said, you didn't send me here, God sent me here. Uh, in, in verses, uh, in 45-3, let me just read it. So he says, so it was not you uh, this is verse 8, excuse me. So it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. He has made me a father of, to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. So you see, even though his brothers, in a sinful action, in an act of jealousy, they beat him, they threw him in a pit, they sold him into slavery, which was a sinful act, <clears throat> Joseph could come back later in Genesis 45 and say, It was not you. That did this to me. It was God that did this to me. So I would be in the position that I am. All things are working together for good. In the same way, we we see that uh, that God ordained uh, that God ordained, <clears throat> you know, from the foundation of the world that Christ would come into the world and die for our sins. But in order for that to happen, a lot of sinful decisions had to be made. Pilate had to make his decision. Herod had to make his decision. The Romans, the Jews, all of them had a hand in it. But God was in control. In Acts 4.27 it says, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles, that's the Romans, and the peoples of Israel, that's the Jews. And look at verse 28, Acts four twenty-eight says, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Okay, so God had predestined that this would happen. Does that mean that Herod didn't have a choice? Absolutely not. Herod was a lunatic, and he had the choice. He chose out of the sinfulness of his heart. Did Pilate have a choice? Yeah, Pilate was uh, he was an evil man, but he was a coward because of all the turmoil that had happened in uh, in Judea, you know, over which he governed. Uh, Caesar had basically told him if another riot broke out, he was going to remove him. And so Pilate was just a just a coward. He didn't want a riot to break out, so he gave the Jews what he wanted. He most certainly had a choice, and he chose sinfully. He chose wrongly. But with all this going on, they still had the choice to do what their sinful hearts desired for them to do. But in all this, God was working together to bring Jesus to the cross so that he would uh, <clears throat> die a sinner's death and pay for the sin of mankind. So, we're not, Job is not saying, and neither does Scripture teach, that men are just robots following their programming. We have real choices, but, but God is still in control, even in the midst of our choices. Those two things are compatible. It's not one or the other. It's not either gods are in control or we have the choice. Both things are true and they're compatible with each other. It's both, and, and it's not. If you if you find anyone teaching one or the other that you know God is up there going dang, you know I hope everything works out, and all, all is based on our choices. That's only half the story. And if you're listening to someone who's saying everything is fatalistically determined and we don't have a choice whatsoever, that's only half the story. The two things work together, and they're compatible. Uh, in verse 17, Job says. He's talking about God. He said, He leads counselors away stripped, and judges He makes fools. Uh, he looses the bonds of kings. Notice that God is in control of, of counselors, judges, kings. And He binds a waistcloth on their hip. He He leads the priests away stripped and overthrows the mighty. These are things that God is doing. He deprives of speech those who are trusted and takes away the discernment of elders. He pours contempt on princes and loosens the belt of the strong. He uncovers the deeps out of darkness and brings deep darkness to light. Uh, he makes nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations and leads them away. He takes away understanding from the chiefs of the people of the earth, and he makes them wander in trackless wastes. They grope in the dark without light, and he makes them stagger like drunken men. It, you can see that God, in, in Job, from verse 16 to 21, Job is showing us that he understands completely that God is sovereign. Over all mankind, God possesses all strength and wisdom. Uh, he uses both the deceiver and He uses the deceived for his purposes it's a hard truth. Uh, We read in the New Testament in lots of different places where God sends people a delusion. God turns them over to to what they desire. God uh, caused them to believe a lie because they refused to believe truth. God turns men over. God uses even Satan to accomplish his purposes. And really that's the point of the book of Job. Uh, God, he confounds the wisdom of men. He defies the authority of kings. He he rebukes the religious and, and makes the strong weak. He 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 makes men's discernment fail. He uncovers all that's hidden, uh, and it shows us in the last three verses that that God is even sovereign over nations and kingdoms. You see this over and over again. Uh, God told Israel. He said uh, in Isaiah chapter 10... He told Israel, he said, I'm going to bring a nation against you in judgment. And he was talking about the Assyrians. He's like, I'm going to bring this evil nation. And the Assyrians were really, really evil. They were uh, extremely barbaric. And they're going to, in Isaiah chapter 10, he told them, uh, because of what you've done, Israel, uh, this army is going to come against you. And they're going to destroy you. They're going to plunder your land. They're going to capture you, take you into captivity. They're going to... To, they're going to kill you with the sword. They're going to do all these things. And in Isaiah chapter 10, he says, and he turns a corner and says, and then after they have done this, after I have used them as the rod of my judgment against you, he says, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to judge them for what they've done. Because they were not doing what they were doing to be God's rod of judgment, they were doing what they were doing out of the sinfulness of. Now you may see a contradiction there. You may say how could God bring them in judgment and then turn around and judge them for what they were doing. God is in control of all things and man is responsible for his sinful actions. The Assyrians did not come against Israel because they thought well God told us to come against Israel God's making us to come against Israel we need to go do that we don't have a choice to do that they were coming against Israel out of the sinfulness of their own hearts out of the the bloodlust and envy and greed and and the evil of their own hearts is why but God was using that for his purpose, and his purpose was to judge his people. But in the same way, he judged the Assyrians for the evil of their hearts. And so, God is sovereign over all things. The same thing happened. The whole book of Jeremiah is all about Jeremiah warning Judah and uh, Jerusalem that God is going to judge them. And how did God judge them? He judged them by bringing Babylon against them, the godless, uh, pagan city Babylon, who who uh, you know were was also barbaric. They were also murderous. They were they were as pagan as you could possibly be. But the point of Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, and parts of Isaiah is that God is doing this. God is bringing this people against Judah and Jerusalem. Because of his judgment. They have sinned and he's bringing this judgment upon them. And he's going to use this sinful and evil nation. And then later we see Babylon judged for what they did. And the Persians came and destroyed them. So Job is, the point of chapter 12 is that Job is responding to Zophar. Zophar has said that God is in control. And if God has allowed this, then... You must have done something wrong that has caused it. And Job is saying, look, I'm not an idiot. I know that God is in control. I know that he controls all things. And the, the chapter is basically a dissertation about how God is in control. Job is telling them, yes, I do know that God is in control. I'm not a dummy. The animals know. The The clouds know. All of creation know knows that God is in control um, where Zophar and Job are going to disagree is that Job is going to maintain the fact that he has not done anything different than he has ever done in his life he enjoyed blessings with in relationship with God his entire life he hadn't been sinless his entire life but he sacrificed and he, he obeyed the word of the Lord to trust in him to repent and to bring those sacrifices on a regular basis and that covered his sin for most of his life, and now all of a sudden, God, out of the blue, has decided to bring all this suffer suffering upon him. And so, Job cannot accept their conclusion. He knows that God is in control, as should we know. But he cannot accept the fact that the only reason that this is happening is because Job has some secret sin in the back of his life that he's not willing to give up. Job knows of no such thing and he knows that whatever has caused all this is completely in the hands of God because he has done nothing different than he always has. And he is trusting that his sins had been covered by that sacrifice in the same way that our sins are covered by the sacrifice of Christ.